about the show Barry on HBO. Re, we're here today for episode five, which is titled Do Your Job. <laughs> this episode was written by Ben Smith, who also works on Only Murders in the Building. Yes. Which you enjoyed. I just finished. Mm-hmm. And directed by Hiro Murai, who I know from directing all of Childish Gambino's music videos right. and from doing Atlanta, which was a very good show. Nice. So... <laughs> I want to start this episode off with a quote from my man, Charles Brumesco. He does the recaps on Vulture for Barry. Um, and I do link to those on our socials. Our Twitter is at Most Evil Guy. So I do put those up if people want to look at them between episodes. But he had a quote in the recap for this that I felt like really summed up where we're at in this sort of like post-mid-season point. Yeah. He said basically like Barry finds himself in this narrative arc that we sort of recognize as men adjacent to reprehensible behavior who can nonetheless convince themselves of their own innocence oh man i know that nails it it summarized it so beautifully because i feel like episodes five and six are sort of this almost little mini arc Mm -hmm. and i feel like that sums them up really well and it's funny because in episode four, that if you haven't listened to uh, our episode before the podcast, you can go back and do that. Uh, in episode four, we see that play out, but it's not like it, it's in the context of toxic masculinity and these relationships, less in the context of his role as a hitman. I'm so glad you brought up toxic masculinity because if you remember, <laughs> that was like my theme of last episode. I was like, yes. that's what everything in this episode's about. And then I found it so funny watching this episode and both Sally and and Barry say toxic masculinity yes oh my gosh (laughs) I felt so vindicated (laughs) he like basically learns the term from her yeah and then Um, immediately uses it on you (laughs) (laughs) incorrectly (laughs) I love it okay Mm. so let's start off with sort of recapping what happens in this episode Taylor who if you remember is Chris who is Barry's former buddy from the Marines. Mm -hmm. Taylor is a buddy of Chris's. We open with this great scene where Barry is on a boardwalk getting all of these voicemails from Taylor, (laughs) which are so comical. But he's, like, constantly blowing up Barry's phone, just being like, when are we going to kill the Bolivians? Fuck Um, yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So Barry is at a carnival with Chris and his wife and their son. He's talking to Chris, you know, asking him basically about Taylor because Barry is kind of in this rock and a hard place right now Mm -hmm. where Taylor knows that this is going to happen. If Barry doesn't include him, he's putting himself at risk. Yep. If Barry does include him, he might be putting himself at risk. So he's trying to feel out from Chris what Taylor's like. Exactly. And then also too, like watching Chris with his family, Barry's feeling a little distracted and, you know, has sort of uh, visions of his possible future. One of those great fantasy sequences that I definitely want to talk about later. Yes. Yeah. So then Barry makes his way to acting class, and while he's there, um, he wants to make things up to Sally. He realizes he was kind of a dick in the last uh, episode, and the way he behaved at the party wasn't right. And Sally basically says, no, you know, I think we can reset is just by, like, not seeing each other for a good long while. (laughs) And he's kind of, you know, hurt by that, of course. Uh, They get inside and immediately they're shoved back together by circumstance, which is that the class is doing Macbeth. And now they're going to have to be in a scene together. Uh, While they're, you know, prepping for the, uh, the showcase Moss shows up and needs to question everybody in the class and uh, just an excellent little sequence there. Yeah. <laughs> and basically they, f- they figured out, you know, forensically that the, the whoever's in, in the video, like the shadow person that shows up in the video, your sleep paralysis demon, yeah. <laughs> is uh, over six feet. Uh, and so there's only three guys in the class that fit this uh, description, so they get questioned a second time. Barry is cool, calm, and collected, does the best acting he does mm-hmm. at any point in the series. I mean, Barry acting, not Bill Hader acting, because he goes into alibi mode. He's got a whole thing prepared, and he's, like, shockingly calm about the whole thing. So he, he has, gives a couple 
phone numbers to Moss, and uh, she goes to verify his alibi, and of course the box phone rings, and you get this great sequence of Stephen Root uh, as Fuchs basically acting himself <laughs> as he does some A-plus voice acting. <laughs> I wrote, he's the best actor on this show he is. about people acting. I also <laughs> called that in my notes the Supernatural phones sequence. Remember on Supernatural, the guys always oh. drove around with a box full of phones? tape labeled with like who they were supposed to be that's so funny i forgot about that (laughs) all their like many ids and i forgot they had box phones too (laughs) so barry meets up with fuchs and goran pizar and hank um in this wonderful setting of a gymnastics class which is genius (laughs) i just who it's to me it's like a mad libs like they're like (laughs) <laughs> Barry Fuchs, Goran Hank at, and then someone shouts out like gymnastics class. It's like an improv. We just need a location. Yeah. Like gymnastics. Exactly. <laughs> so Hank's kind of in the hot seat because Goran is really pissed at him about the lipstick camera. Everybody's pissed at him about the lipstick camera. Barry's certainly pissed at him about it because <laughs> he's there in the freeze frame, as yep. you know, as Natalie put it, like a thumb with arms or something. <laughs> <laughs> So, as they're leaving, Barry decides to tell Fuchs that Taylor knows about the stash Mm -hmm. house raid. And basically, like, you know, Barry does this thing with Fuchs where he just, like, rips the bandit off really quickly and then, like, you know, always tries to run away. Obviously, Fuchs is really pissed, but Fuchs's way of handling the situation is to say, like, it's fine, Taylor can help you, but then you're gonna have to kill him. Mm -hmm. Which is, like, the same tone that he took with Barry when uh, he was like, fine, you can do your acting, but you're also gonna do this. Right, yeah. Like, he's like, meeting him where he's at. I mean, he's doing air quotes right now, but really just getting what he wants. Right. Totally. But, and also letting Barry think he's getting what he wants. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So obviously Barry doesn't want to do that. And that's a point that I really want to get into Mm -hmm. later. Then he goes to acting class and the, in, uh, to me, one of the best scenes of the entire series that I really want to dig into. They're doing Macbeth. And the class gets into a discussion about, you know, the motivations and murder and Barry ends up yelling at everyone and Barry ends up storming out. I have a pin that I want to put in this so that we can talk about it later. I think we're going to talk about it in detail. We definitely are. (laughs) So once he storms out... Uh, the rest of the class gathers at residuals. The The students are starting to feel kind of bad for, like, what they put on Barry Hall. They didn't realize, you know, he'd been in Afghanistan. And and Sally kind of holds her, you know, yeah. uh, uh, digs her heels in and is like, but he still yelled at us. Like, that's not the way you treat people that, you know, you're in a class with. It's not the way yeah. you treat anybody. And I think she's right. Natalie, though, takes a personal affront at the way that she, uh, that Sally had acted with She's Zach Burroughs. to get around Zach Burroughs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and so she picks on Sally for that. Meanwhile, Moss is, like, kind of struggling with the case. She wants to, you know, she she just has this gut feeling that mm-hmm. somehow the class is involved. And then later that night, uh, she visits Jean at the house, and they just slam into each other. She um, slams into him, to be fair. That's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like the opposite of a booty call. It's like, uh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he didn't call her, but there she is, and she's ready. <laughs> so then Barry and Taylor are prepping for the raid uh, outside the stash house. <sighs> and there's a moment in here that I want to talk about later where Barry's mm-hmm. essentially trying to g- get a gauge on Taylor. And Taylor is fucking just spaced out. Like, in his head, he's already, like, you know, in the raid, blowing, like, you know. Barry's trying to lay the plan out for him, but I think Taylor always has his own plan here. And he's he's not even listening. His plan is literally Leroy Jenkins, which he will shout later. (laughs) It was funny because we mentioned it last episode. That's, like, his energy. Like, Leroy Jenkins' energy. And sure enough, (laughs) he's self-aware. We'll we'll talk about that, too. So... They go into the stash house, bang, bang, kill the first guy they see. Um, grocery guy. Yeah, grocery guy. Uh, there's a few, like, really funny moments in here that I want to talk about later. And then they, you know, blow up, or blow up, they shoot up a bunch of other guys. Yeah. And then uh, Barry takes the butt of, uh, like, a gun to the head and uh, gets knocked out. Taylor <laughs> handles the rest of the job on his own. Yeah. While, like, shouting and, like, he's having a great time. Barry wakes up and Taylor is, like, psyched to be, you know, he's, like, full of adrenaline. He goes mm-hmm. to start filling this bag full of money that he finds. And Barry is, like, ready to shoot him in the back and doesn't. So Well, we the- cut away from that, so we're not sure in that moment 
That's true. Yeah. yeah. If he's going to or not. Yeah, we only know that from the next scene, which is great, which shows Fuchs yeah. just, like, worried as hell. He's, you know, just sick to his stomach, waiting he's, to see how Barry is. He's worried, but he's also still, like, eating breakfast in the hotel. Like, right, yeah, like, like he, he's looking green, oh, but he has partaken of the, the breakfast buffet, yeah. like, the, uh, the continental <laughs> breakfast there. And so Barry walks in, sits down, Fuchs is relieved, gives him a big embrace, and then... Taylor walks in, and you see, okay, Barry did not kill Taylor, and Fuchs is just... There is something Fuchs says in that scene that grosses me out so hard, and it is, you know, Barry comes in, sits down, Fuchs is very relieved to see Barry, and he, you know, tries to take Barry's hands and, like, comfort him, and he's like, you know, I know that was really hard, but like you said, he had to go. Yep. And I was like, oh, Oh, he's just so manipulative. He is. He's incepting, trying to incept yeah. this into Barry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's it's just the like, very definition of gaslighting. <laughs> yes. To a T. Yeah. Yep. He's just like, oh, you were right, though. You just had to kill him. <laughs> and then when he comes in, it just like smacks Fuchs in the head. It's so great. The funny thing is he could have used that moment to be like, I was right, you know, to reassert his. And that's not what's important to him. What's important to him is to keep very subjugated and feeling bad and feeling because he knows Mm -hmm. that if barry had actually killed taylor it would eat barry up yep and so that's why he knew he had to make it seem like it was barry's idea yep not he couldn't take credit for it yeah because then he knew it would start to poison barry against him yep that's my take on it so So, much to talk about i know I really, I really like this episode. I think this episode is kind of a high point for me in the season mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. When we first see Barry this episode, he's with Chris and his wife at the boardwalk. And what's interesting to me is Barry's trying to get a read on Chris about Taylor. Yes. And, I mean, Barry, his, like, radar immediately went up about Taylor. Right. Because just based on what he saw at the party, this dude is, like, really impulsive. He's a meathead. He's out of control. Yeah. Like, yes. So he's trying to feel Chris out about Taylor. And you can tell Barry is looking for some reassurance that this guy is not just completely off the chain. It's interesting to me that Chris sees, like, no issues with Taylor. And he was like, oh, yeah, Taylor's great. Like, one time a guy spilled beer in my pants at the bar and Taylor broke his jaw. Right. And to Chris, that was fine. Yep. And Barry, our hitman murderer (laughs) with, like, no emotional intelligence, is like, that seems fucking unhinged. That's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's this thing in Chris where... He's, like, divorced himself from the his past where he's had to do violence and, you know, in, in service of a mission. And someone else doing his violence, acceptable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the, the kind of vibe I got. Well, what was interesting to me, though, is he, he kind of stops Barry sidebar and says, like, hey, don't mention Taylor in front of his wife. Yep. And I was like, why? Like, does that, to me, say that Chris actually knows that the stuff Taylor does is wrong and yep but then I thought no I think it's just he doesn't want to get in trouble with his wife his wife knows it's wrong yes his wife has clocked Taylor for like the the yeah you know, risk factor that he is yeah and Chris still doesn't understand it but yep. he knows enough to know please don't get me in trouble with my wife and you know what's funny is they didn't even serve together, Taylor and Chris. Yeah. They were in a program to help vets reacclimate. Oh, <laughs> and Taylor line. was the first guy they ever kicked out. <laughs> that line. And Chris just delivers it's it a like. throwaway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the first guy they ever kicked out. It was like. <laughs> I mean, he's just giving all these red flags to Barry. And Barry is increasingly. I mean, you see like. He's the, disturbed. You see the anxiety not up <laughs> yeah. in his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's just trying to have, like, a good, chill time at the <laughs> carnival, and Barry's just like, Ugh. I know, by the time he, like, takes that gun away from Chris and is oh just, my God. like, give him the rat, like... <laughs> yeah, so Chris's kid is trying to shoot because he wants to you know, win the big rat, and then Chris can't help. He's not a good shot. He's just like, oh, I'm rusty. Yeah. Yeah. And then Barry's just like, sniper, bang, bang, here you go, big rat. <laughs> like... <laughs> I will say, I would love some behind-the-scenes commentary on this. Um, if anybody has heard it or knows where it is and can point me to it because if I I talked to Bill Hader about this ever I would ask him like 
were you scared of that gun? Because the, <laughs> the face he makes after he takes the gun from Chris and, and holds it up, the face he makes is literally like, he's so scared of it. <laughs> so funny. And funny because we'll probably talk about this, uh, the stash house scene, but his like tactics training and his weapons training. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There's like a funny note about that. <laughs> Yeah. So the the d- daydream, right? He takes a photo of Chris and his family. Yeah. And then gets lost in this daydream of him and Sally in the future. It, like a Sears photo booth kind of situation. Um, and he's got his kid in his lap and the kid is dressed just like him. Yeah. And Sally comes in. I feel like that's like one of the only fantasy sequences in the show that I don't think there's like a joke button at the end of it. I think it's just... This episode... Both this daydream and I called it the daydream slash dream that comes up later because yeah, he's, he's passed out. He's unconscious, so it's not a daydream. He's yeah. dreaming it. Both of these are the only daydreams that we've seen so far that don't have a comedic element. Yeah. They're like really like raw and real. Like it's There's- things that for that second daydream, I feel like that one follows the formula more, which, like, when you look at all of them so far, it's, like, serious character revelation, emotional revelation, mm-hmm. and then, like, a little button of a joke. Oh, yeah, you're right. That does come in at and, the end. Yeah. Uh, and then, the, but this one, I don't, There's I nothing. don't think there is one. No. I think it's just, this is, like, the thing he wants most purely, is it's he wants really connection, he wants family, and while we're on the topic of daydreams, I'll talk about, so, uh, Alec Berg, has expressed, like, why they use this device in the first season. It's, like, uh, on a podcast or an article I read. I don't mm-hmm. know. But basically, he said that Barry is so emotionally closed off that, and he's not emotionally literate, even if he did have a feeling and recognized that feeling, he wouldn't have the words to describe that yeah. feeling. So what Alec Berg said is that it's a way for them to get insight into his emotional journey yeah. when he is incapable of expressing that externally. Uh, and so he said it's, just, it's a device, and I, I feel like they use it really, really deftly in this season. And then we don't see this much in later seasons. We see more flashbacks in later seasons. We don't, but I think that's because, and we were having this conversation earlier, I think that's because this this season, season one, is really about him trying to, like, find some kind of emotional intelligence. Yes. And I do think past this season, that journey really stops. Yes. His arc this season is definitely, like... His, his internal arc and his internal growth, mm-hmm. it's so significant. But by season two, he can express himself. He knows what other people expect of him mm-hmm. and can meet those expectations. Yeah, I, I fully agree. He yeah. he's matures emotionally so fast in this, but he does it in such a clumsy way. Yeah. Just like, you know, we were talking <laughs> earlier about like him being like, like, you know, Bambi, like learning to walk. Like he's like learning <laughs> his emotions and the, you know, how to, how to be a, like, you know, a socialized person, like the quote that you posted yeah. on our socials and he's fucking it up left and right. For instance, when Sally tells him about toxic masculinity, he immediately <laughs> tries to use that and apply it in yeah. his conversation with Fuchs and he does it, you know, incorrectly. <laughs> So he's learning and growing. <laughs> I think that's part of what makes you root for him in this whole, you know, first season, even though he's it objectively is. a bad guy. It's a really sly trick. It is. That the writers did. Like, yeah. They, they make him emotionally vulnerable. And we all are, you know, we all want to, like, protect him and root for him for that reason. Not recognizing that, you know, the person that we're rooting for is also, like, killing yep. people left and right. That's the other thing that, like, I don't have a a theory about this but in that opening scene or not opening yeah i guess it is the opening scene mm-hmm. where he's trying to get a gauge on whether taylor is a, a good guy yeah but he's like a good guy right he's got a code he yeah. thinks that there's a world in which you can be a good guy and also kill people absolutely and his his code is not ever articulated explicitly but this lets you in on the idea that he has one and it's come up previously that he believes oh, that the guys point. that they're killing are bad guys yeah but he does still think that he has a moral code and that he's not a psychopath yes so when that conversation comes up later in the class mm-hmm. taylor's a psychopath they're talking about he's not one of them right you know so when we see barry and fuchs and hank and goran at the gymnastics class <laughs> What's funny is 
Barry knows to go there because Hank sends him... Is this the first... No, this is not the first funny text we see from Hank. Although I think it's the first Bitmoji text we see from it is, Hank. It is the yeah. first Bitmoji. And oh my god, like imagine being in the <laughs> art department that's like, gets this brief, like, we need you to do a, a Bitmoji, Hank Bitmoji of Hank. <laughs> and it just says gulp. Gulp, I love it. It's so cute. But that really... So this scene actually made me realize, you know, because we've, we've watched the show in its entirety so far... Um, and we're kind of going back through it, but I didn't realize, like, we don't really get a ton of Hank in season one. No, we don't. And I, he makes such an impression that it feels like you get more of him. Yes. But you really, when we break it down like this episode by episode, we really don't. It's just these tiny things peppered in that give us an idea of his personality. But, um, so then, you know, they're sitting there and I wrote that, you know, in this moment, Hank and Barry are like teenage boys whose parents are dating. Oh my god! Like it's like it's like their parents just told them they're getting engaged, and <laughs> they got yeah. Brady bunch their life together. Yeah. Like oh, I guess we really got to deal with each and other. Barry's so pissed at him for obvious reasons. I mean, yep. that camera thing has fucked them over. Yep. And Hank is just you know very like apologetic. He knows that he's messed up but he still doesn't really like fully take responsibility for it. He's not contrite like at all like he's he's apologizing like because people are pissed at him. Yes. But not because he thinks he did anything wrong. Yeah. (laughs) He's a gearhead. He loves Gek. (laughs) (laughs) Which by the way what the fuck does that mean? I think it's just one of those (laughs) slang terms. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Um, Let's talk about the setting (laughs) for this conversation. Um, I think it's genius. Oh, my God. <laughs> first of all, like, kudos to all of those young child actors <laughs> who now have their first credit. I didn't even think about that. Like, they just have to keep tumbling in the background. Like, how long there's, did it take them to shoot this sequence? Yeah, there's, like, 20 of them just doing <laughs> cartwheels over and over again. Yeah. I have so many questions about why this would be th- where they would meet, because there's so many witnesses. Well, again, I mean, OPSEC doesn't exist on this show. So bad. But I really like it because I think it kind of shows that it it it's adding back in that comedic element of, mm-hmm. like, Goron as this, you know, sort of, like, workaday everyman, like, father guy who yeah. also runs the Chechen mafia. Um, and so just having that juxtaposition of him being like, daddy is watching, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's so great. I love that. And and this is the first scene with Goran where we get to see that he's beholden to someone else. Yeah. In terms of, I'm trying to keep my family happy. He's trying to, like, not fuck up this operation that he's got in L.A. So he might be the boss here, but he's not the boss boss. Right. And that this is the first time that we get to see that motivation, which is what Fuchs keys in on. Yeah. And he finds his vulnerability, just Mm -hmm. like Fuchs is so good at. my God. And starts pushing those buttons. I just want to sidebar. I don't remember if I brought this up before. I meant to. Have you ever noticed that we never see Goron's wife in this show? I wonder if she got killed. No. She didn't. No. I'm pretty sure she did not. Huh. But we never, ever, ever see her. It's just, it's just interesting to me. It is. There's no way they're still together. No, they have to be. You think so? Yeah, absolutely. After she fucked Ryan? Yeah, I think and they're still together. Killed. I think they're still together. I just don't think yeah. they they bothered to add her in as a character because yeah. we don't really need her. No. Um, but I just th- <laughs> I just think it's an interesting choice. Yeah. Again, Fuchs, a great moment of acting here, but maybe a poor choice of name. He um to make it seem less creepy that there's like four grown men hanging out on a bench <laughs> oh God, in a gymnastics right. practice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he yells out, "Good job, Jenny!" And the little girl looks at him and is like, "Who the fuck are you?" It's <laughs> more creepy. He just made it creepier. <laughs> exactly. But I'm like, that's how you know that like he doesn't know anybody with children because it should have been like, "Good job, Maddie!" Like, right. no, no kid is named Jenny now. Yeah, not since 1985. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't happened. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's it's really creepy. So for that reason, I can't understand why they met there. Although you know, you're you're right. There's no opsec. So <laughs> I I actually kind of want to eat a little crow on this because I brought up in one of the previous episodes that I wasn't it wasn't clear to me. I thought there wasn't sound on the lipstick camera, but then when we see the clip here, there is. Goran says you know they they're looking to see if anyone recognizes the voice on camera. Yep. So. It clearly had sound. It clearly picked up 
Hank talking. But then why didn't it pick up Barry saying, don't point that gun at me, don't point it at me, put it down. I I don't know. The acting class heard that. They yeah. would know it was Barry. They would. I wonder if it's like a range issue or... I don't know. Because Hank was sat right there. I, I truly don't know, but I do think that's like a little squiffy. Like it's I a need little... answers on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you, you were right. Like in the first one that it's catching the sex sounds. Like when you see the yeah. video of Ryan and um, Goran's So then wife. I thought, oh, clearly it didn't have sound the second time, which would yeah. be a weird inconsistency. But Barry has dialogue in that scene as yeah. he's walking towards the car. So, how how why didn't it pick that up? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a little inconsistent. Some choices being made there. I probably mm-hmm. would have like just not had the lipstick camera have sound. Mm-hmm. But then I think if that was the case, then we would have missed the comedic factor of Ryan boning Goran's wife. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I don't know. And but, now they're looking for. Um, they don't yet know that it's the Chechens, right? So they're looking for someone with a Russian accent, right. which plays up in the next episode. Yep. So I would love to talk about the scene where Barry and Fuchs are in the hotel room and Fuchs is mad at him yep. because Barry's told him about Taylor knowing and Taylor's going to be a part of this stash house raid. First of all, I wrote, tag yourself, I'm Fuchs in a bath towel. <laughs> yeah, or not. I, I was like, oh, the same amount of gut. That's great. But you bruise easily, don't you? I do. <laughs> I know. Um, yep. But what's interesting to me is when Fuchs says, like, you know, it's fine. He'll help mm-hmm. you. And then you're just going to have to kill him afterwards. Barry's hesitance to kill Taylor is really interesting to me. Yeah. His reaction is, I can't kill him. He's a Marine. And it's like, so... I wrote, Taylor is clearly a fuckwad. He's <laughs> yeah. impulsive. He's violent. But he's a Marine. And so Barry puts him in a different class than the people that Barry kills He gets for a, a job. special pass. Yeah. Yep. And that's just fascinating to me that, like, Barry sees or at least, you know, adopts Fuchs's view on mm-hmm. all of these other people that he's paid to kill. Yep that they're bad guys, they've got to die, or however he justifies it to himself. But just the fact that Taylor's a Marine, setting aside who Taylor is as a person, which is, as I said, impulsive, violent, doesn't really have regard for anybody else. Just the fact that he's a Marine separates him out for Barry and puts him in this echelon of people that Barry won't consider killing. If, yeah, if you had to write out Barry's code, that would be, like, a weird anomaly, you know? I uh, I don't know that it's an... Well, is it an anomaly, though? I think it's just the this, this, this structure in Barry's code just puts, like, that his m- Marines up top. Yeah, his, maybe it's that his belief system dictates that if you're a Marine, but you do some fucked up stuff, you get a pass. Yeah. Because you're a Marine. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. Or maybe it's just, you know, he needs that identity as a Marine. And, like, part of the thing is, like, you know, you take care of one another. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It, it's it's weird because there's a case you could make that he's not a good guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, we don't see him being a, a very good guy. Yeah. But weirdly, though, as I'm saying that, and we'll, we'll get to the stash house raid in a bit, but as I'm saying that, we do see that, like... Taylor has Barry's back. Mm-hmm. Even though Taylor doesn't seem to have a lot of regard for people, it's, you know, he takes care of Barry during the stash house scene. Yep. He gets the job done. He splits the money with Barry. 50-50. He trusts Barry enough to turn his back to him Yep. while he's taking the money out. So it is, you're right, this idea of this code, mm-hmm. it's just so, so incongruent with itself and so incongruent from, like, normal people life (laughs) and it's like not sustainable you know what i mean you can't keep having these holes in your belief system that eventually it's gonna crumble and you're gonna go nihilistic if you've seen season three of barry there you go you know (laughs) um yeah no i i agree I, i really dislike the character of taylor um i really really dislike him but he's like one of the only people that is really straight with barry and mm-hmm. gives Barry his due. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's fair with him. So when Barry's, like, laying out this plan to Taylor mm-hmm. ahead of the stash house raid. And, like, might I add, like, 
directly ahead of. Yeah, this like, not- they're, they're literally, like, doing this over, like, the hood of a car <laughs> that's, like, barely, like, yeah. in the next parking lot. Like, yeah. again, not secure, not great OPSEC. Nope. And, uh... So Barry is laying things out, and it's not landing with Taylor. It's not landing with Taylor. And he has, like, a come-to-Jesus moment with him where he looks at him, and he's like, look, I'm trying to tell you mm-hmm. that I need you to have my back, and I'm telling you that I have yours. And it was so, like, you could see how uncomfortable he was saying that. Yep. N- knowing at that point, thinking that he was going to maybe kill Taylor. And, like, you could tell going, I love this idea of, like, us exploring Barry's code this episode. Yeah. Because you could tell, like, him saying that, possibly disingenuously was like hurting barry yeah it doesn't feel right to him yeah and then not a few minutes later he is literally going to shoot him in the back yeah so i have your back yeah literally is going to shoot him while his back is turned like i wonder if like him having to say that to taylor like you know and i have your back like did that change it for him? Like, was he then just incapable of doing it because he'd be going back on his word? Possibly, yeah. I mean, maybe that factors into his his weird moral code, Yeah, you know? Um, and we know that he was reluctant. He didn't want to do it. He was going to have to do it out of... He understands that it's a loose end, you know what I mean? Like, fundamentally yeah. gets that. And he doesn't want to disappoint Fuchs. Mm-hmm. But I do think that perhaps having to say it out loud... I, I think that... As much as he struggled with it in that moment, it seemed genuine. You know what I mean? Like, it seemed like he's saying it and he wants to believe it, mm-hmm. even if he knows that might not be true. Yeah. I I just, I also kind of think, like, it wasn't getting through to Taylor because he just, like, had his own plans the whole time, <laughs> which was to go Leroy Jenkins on everybody. Yep. And he was just like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to see, even in the next episode, Taylor half listens to everything. Yes, I mean, even when not, they have meaningful conversations, yeah. he's, like, never making eye contact with Barry. No. Like, he's just, again, th- for a guy that actually has a lot of innate wisdom, he is doesn't know how to portray emotion or, <laughs> you know, be present with somebody. It's so funny. Like, I know you despise Taylor, <laughs> but, like, I also think he's such a good character. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I know people, I have known people like this, and I'm like, yeah, yep. completely realistic people who are like honestly so unpalatable like just (laughs) like he's got no social graces yeah he's just yeah i i really dislike him he makes me uncomfortable (laughs) but doesn't he kind of also look like that guy that accosted us after the stevie nicks concert oh shit yeah he kind of does I like same vibes i thought that that guy had like like a a ex-military vibe yeah and uh, I feel like he would have told us. Oh, he definitely would have. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah. Big meathead energy. <laughs> that's that's a story for another time. The night that Jamie Lynn and I almost got murdered. Not even by that guy, by another guy. Yeah. So creepy. <laughs> uh, um, so, okay. So we're going through the stash house. We're killing people. Um, I, I want to like take a pause to talk about, again, the code thing that comes up, right? Okay. As Barry is surveying, like, as they're wrecking that first room, and mm-hmm. he shines his flashlight through the, the window, it's yeah. like an internal window, and he's like, they've been torturing people in here. And in his head, you can just see, it just clicks, that he's like, this job is now justified. Yes! And it meets his intentions for his moral code. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny. So, I almost said out loud when I'm watching that, and he's like, they've been torturing people in here. Like these these guys are bad guys and i was like do you mean like how goran's been torturing fuchs in his yeah. garage like, <laughs> it's like it's not even double standard it's like a, a million standard yeah. like it's just like the guy that you're literally doing this job for also tortures people yeah and then i just love that taylor's like gut response is sweet and you can see it on barry's face he's just like oh like this yeah i can't believe this is the guy that i have to do this raid with <laughs> and then grocery guy walks in right yeah there's one thing Poor I wanted to point guy. out here, which is that when, you know, they shoot him through the grocery bag, yeah. it tears, a grocery f- falls out, and it's a can of soup, Campbell's soup, that rolls towards the door that's the next place that they're going. Mm-hmm. And it could be me just reading too much into the detail in this show, but as soon as I saw the can of soup, I was like, soup, 
soup like in episode one. <gasps> oh my god! I didn't even put that together. Yeah. Um, so I just, I just thought it was. I mean, it, it could have been what a does total the soup coincidence. Mean to you exactly. What does yeah. soup mean to you? And in this case, it's literally rolling towards and bumps up against the door that they're going to go into. Oh my god. That had an amazing sign on it. I fucking loved this joke. Well, I didn't notice. It says, hang on a second, I've got the, I've got it written down in my notes app here. So, <laughs> the the next room they're going to advance to uh, has a sign on the door that says, keep closed because of cats. <laughs> oh! Yeah. Oh. I was just like, who came out? Is that, is that like a sign that is like common in a stash house or, or like was it left over from whatever this was before yeah. still seems weird or it's an industrial building in their writer's room be like there should be a sign what should it say <laughs> keep closed because of cats oh <laughs> luckily it doesn't appear any cats were harmed in the rating of the stash house yes thank goodness <laughs> uh, i'm sure that would be part of barry's code as well no cats no no uh feel women children or cats yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so we're going through the stash house and barry gets knocked out mm-hmm. which i thought this was a, a weird choice like what's yeah. your take on this because i was like why would someone just knock him out and my thought was well like taylor's in the next room going ham yeah so they know they probably couldn't take him alive right but barry's right there and he's not doing anything and so the way I'm justifying it to myself, them knocking him out instead of killing him, mm-hmm. is they were going to knock him out and see where he was coming from. Because Possibly. at this point, yeah, at this point, the Bolivians don't know about the Chechens. Right. Like, they don't, there's no reason for them to think the Chechens are coming for them. I mean, you know, that bullet that hangs in, whatever. Like, yeah. I, I'm sure somebody just, like, threw that away and was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm uh, this the way I'm justifying it to myself is they don't know anything about the Chechens coming for them. Yep. They're knocking Barry out so they can question him, put him in that torture chair, exactly. ask him like who sent him. Exactly. That's the um, only logical explanation. Okay, because otherwise, don't you just think they would just kill him? I would think so, especially because there's like active gunfire in yeah. the other room, and uh, you know earlier I said that he got hit in the head with the butt of a gun but I can't even remember what it was it could have just been a blunt object of opportunity it was a really dark episode Very visually dark. dark yeah I, I was <laughs> having a really hard time seeing what was happening yeah so yeah I'm not sure I assume it was also the butt of a rifle but I'm not sure yeah but it gives us this you know great narrative opportunity to see more of what's going on inside of Barry's psyche so while he's passed out he has this uh, fantasy dream daydream sequence where you know he's in a suit there's a little kid sat there you know slumped up against a locker and he bends down to talk to the kid kid's got a black eye turns out that the kid hit somebody in class and dad's been called to school yeah. to you know take care of things and he gives his kid a pep talk uh, saying that, you know, basically he's better than this. You know, yeah. This isn't what you do. You tell the teacher. Yeah. Don't let them like lower you to this. Yes. Which is really interesting. Exactly. It's yeah. like this the idea of this external, you know, force things, you know, other people making you do bad things. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, he, which of course is like very, very, very relevant for him. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this moment of like real like heart and you see what, Barry wants his morality to be, but then it follows that formula that we've been talking about where (laughs) it ends on a button of a fantastic joke. He's like, you're something like, you know, you're a good kid, Denzel. (laughs) The child is named Denzel. I I I just can't. I love how, like, the joke thing always happens and it yanks us out of the the daydream. Yes. It's so great. I I, I just, like, (laughs) love, like, this is, again, totally the thing that works so well about this show is that in these dreams, you can do whatever you want. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So they gave us this emotional moment, and then because it's absurdist and because it's yeah. a dream, you can throw that extra joke in there. Where with the rest of the show, they really do keep the tone of a scene pretty consistent, mm-hmm. but it'll just be back-to-back scenes where there'll be, you know, um, if you shift to another scene, they're not going to know what happened in the previous yeah. scene if they're not there. Yep. But yeah, I, I it, it was a little sad because I, I feel like you're seeing Barry at his truest in these sequences for sure and i also think that he doesn't really know what he wants and that's why his like early daydream sequences are so bizarre well they're bizarre but they're also really formulaic yeah i mean we we talked about this before particularly in the scene where he's having to cook out his house with john ham yeah. 
where it's just everything is very like Norman Rockwellian, yep. all Americana, like this idea of what he thinks a perfect life should be getting a family, a Sears family photo, yeah. having a cookout at your house, you know, going to pick your kid up from school when he's in trouble. Like, it's just these beats that are really like, you know, all American formulaic. She said that's reminding me of something that Alec has also said about these daydream sequences. Alec, Alec Berg, co-creator of the show, that the things in them are not like glitzy and glam and glossy, except for John Hamm. He's the exception. <laughs> but like, it's, I like how you think John Hamm is glitzy. <laughs> he is, man. Um, yeah, like this. It's not like ostentatious. No, he just wants this basic family. He yeah. wants connection, and um, you know the way Alec Berg puts it is like he just wants what everybody else wants. Yeah, and he's trying desperately to get it. And what Alec Berg didn't say, but is inferring that he's fucking it up left and right you know what i mean yeah Yeah. it's the thing he wants he just doesn't do any of the things he actually needs to do to get it yes like work on himself and be a normal person yep (laughs) yep and it's funny because like in like i'm sure in acting in writing they talk about the difference between need and want and that sometimes the conflict in, in the writing is most effective when your need and your want don't match up. Yeah. So you think you want one thing, but you actually need something else. And I'm not positive that I, I know what Barry needs. I mean, we just don't know enough about him yeah. to know. Yeah. I mean, we meet him at a certain point in his life. We don't really know what came before. And at this point in the show, we don't really know a lot of even his service. Yeah. And we only ever learn throughout the course of the seasons that exist so far a very immediate past to yeah. when we meet him. We really just don't know a lot about yeah who he is. And like all of his wants are pretty templated, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're like very, like you said, formulaic. Yep. So let's talk about, I think, the meatiest part of this episode and honestly, the season. Mm-hmm. This to me was a really really well done scene. So (laughs) I started off in my notes by saying Natalie and Barry suck so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So we we see them in acting class and they're trying to do this Macbeth scene that has, you know, (laughs) Natalie playing Lady Macbeth and um, Sally and Barry as supporting characters. Mm -hmm. And Natalie is just like hamming it up, doing the worst. (laughs) But I it must, I wrote, it must be hard to act so bad because we <laughs> yeah. know both Darcy Carden and Bill Hader are great actors. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just feel like, wouldn't it be really hard to act bad? I think so. My mom always says this about dancing when dancers have to pretend to dance badly at the beginning of a movie before they like learn to dance oh, well. Oh, She's like, that's going to be so difficult. Yeah, this you're right. True. Yeah, it's probably yeah. hard to. Especially with that, it's like muscle memory. And yeah. Like, in- interrupting it. <laughs> Yeah, so we see Sally being Sally, and Mm -hmm. she's really critical of Natalie's performance. And says she's just trying to be constructive, and this will come up in the next episode. We'll put a pin in it. Yeah, and Natalie's like, that's the opposite of constructive. It's unstructive. Unstructive. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) destructive. Yeah, I mean, here we are. We're back, you know, in Sally's narcissism, Mm -hmm. where she just can't handle not being the center of attention yeah she thinks that she is so much better than everyone else in this class yep and i want to be like the bar is on the floor babes (laughs) like (laughs) okay but she just she just can't handle it like to the point where she just shamelessly criticizes natalie in front of everyone to Jean. and what starts i can't remember how this dialogue starts they're trying to get to the emotional heart of the scene is that what it was okay so they start this dialogue about what the you know emotional center of the scene is and this discussion starts about how it's about guilt sasha's like yeah guilt Yeah, yeah and and how you know oh lady Macbeth just ordered the murder but you know he's the mm-hmm. one that carried it out and like and barry starts engaging in this dialogue mm-hmm. it's it really is barry versus the class yep he is the only person on his side and you see like he's slowly kind of as soon as sasha starts talking about it you can see like we cut to him and he is processing what she just said yep and then he starts to worry like is this me yep and and through his dialogue he's trying to sort of 
reassure himself that it's not him Mm -hmm. and kind of looking for something from the class to tell him that oh no not you though yeah and the funny thing is he is the one who brings the word psychopath into it yes nobody in the class says it until he says it yeah if you notice though i don't know if you you notice this but um hank says that to him when they're at the gymnastics class that he's a psycho yeah interesting he's like you're being a psycho and so i think that stuck with barry yeah it's just like the toxic masculinity thing when when sally said it to him it stuck in his head yep and he brings it up later and so when he's hearing these criticisms of it he's like you know you're saying i'm psychopath and they're like nobody said that and he's like yeah you just fucking did yep yeah he can't hear the criticism without taking it to that extreme yeah because he is filled with guilt, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's that that part of him where he's like tamped down all of his, you know, his guilt and his culpability for what he's done. It fissured a few episodes ago, yeah. like when he met Ryan's dad, and now it's like hanging on by a thread to mix metaphors, but <laughs> but um and the more pressure he's under, the more likely it is to crack and this at this point it just goes and explodes well and i think too like this is the rawest conversation about like this is as close to the surface as we get yep with a discussion around killing people and what that means for you and Um, it's funny because there's two points now in the series where he has told somebody the truth and they have not taken it at face value and i don't know if when he speaks up here he's doing it from such a like place in his gut in such a reactive place that he's mm-hmm. not even thinking about am i talking about my service or am i talking about my you know work oh yeah now? no i don't think he's i don't think he's thinking about no. it i think yeah it's, it's essentially a confession yeah and then kusuno gives him an out basically oh by my saying, god i oh, know you're talking about your service well and, and then he tries to equivocate which is mm-hmm. basically saying like gene is saying you know war is different mm-hmm. but if you kill outside war then we all you're agree definitely a psycho. you're a psychopath. Um, By the way, I, uh, as, hashtag as a veteran, um, I <laughs> love the, the way that he thanks Barry for his service, where he's like, <gasps> and boy, I'll tell you, <gasps> thank you for your service. It is so oh, fake and tokenized. I actually and made my husband watch that. <laughs> oh my God, what did he say? <laughs> we were both dying. Yeah. It was just so awful. I just love... The way I tell you. <laughs> thank you for your service. Oh, God. The record... Like, so... Uh, I mean, uh, Henry Winkler, we both <sighs> is, think it's just phenomenal yes. in the series. But the the moment of recognition where he's like, oh, I should thank Barry here. Yeah, like, You can see it in his face. And he's like, oh, this is the social requirement. <laughs> it makes me think of, like, that episode of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry doesn't thank somebody for his service. And it's, like, a whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Alec Berg also oh my um, God. produced that show. So I mean, look, I don't know. So I don't know. They obviously must have some kind of veteran mm-hmm. consultant they on got the it. show. because At the very least for the tactical stuff. Uh, this scene to me just wrapped up it this is moral injury yes it just <sighs> i just got goosebumps jamie when you i said know that. but it's true yeah like it just this is the conversation mm-hmm. of moral injury and then tacking on him being thanked for his service <laughs> at as as the tokenism yep at the end of this conversation it adds that comedic element but then for you know those of us in that <laughs> life just the eye rolling <laughs> yeah it's, it's something so uncomfortable and like well, just to take like a little veteran detour here the um piece that i'm working on right now i'm in the program called the veterans writing project and it's about a transitioning veteran and i'm writing about that partially because it's my experience but also partially because there's such a poverty of like nuanced depictions of veterans yeah. in media and so my veteran is going to have ptsd but it's not related to combat it's related to sexual assault and again, that's its own whole thing. Um, Speaking of pigeonholing veterans, so how mm-hmm. does that make you feel about Taylor? <laughs> yeah, so I thank you for that segue because I wanted to talk about that. I've read some criticisms um, of the show from veterans who mm. feel like the show advances the trope of the wounded veteran, you know, the broken hero, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
but I would push back against that. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. I, I fully understand why watching this show would bring up some stuff for people and might even offend people. But for me, I don't think the show at any point is asserting that Barry is fucked up because of his service. Like, I don't think they ever make that case yeah. um, in the show. And anytime it comes up as a theme or in a conversation, it's somebody else putting that on him. Right, yeah. And so I I really don't, like, yes, Barry is a very broken, fucked up person, but it's not because he's a Marine. I think that we don't know that yet, though, like, mm-hmm. in the show. I mean, obviously, we know that because yeah. we've watched ahead. But I think at this point where we're having this conversation in the class, we as the audience aren't sure yet, like, yep. why Barry is so fucked up. So we can we can even give him a pass at this point, right? Yeah, exactly. Because we're not sure. Maybe it is connected to his and service. Even like again, this isn't really a spoiler. It's so vague. It's it's. Uh, but even in season three, people continue to give him passes because yeah. of his service. But don't you think a lot of that's this culture that we built up, like post nine eleven, of like yep hero. They're all heroes, you yep. know. And like the truth is, I've known way more people like Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then people not like Taylor. And and I'm I certainly don't think Taylor's a hero. No. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, right? Part of the problem to me with like the hero worship around veterans is that it sets up this period of your life to be the m- best thing that you've ever done. The m- most you're ever going to contribute. Oh, like the peak. It's, yeah. This is the peak of your life. And after this, anything else you do doesn't have as much purpose or is not going to be as cool or, mm. you know, and I think that is such a depressing way to look at your military service is like, yes, please be proud of it. You know, yeah. if, if you did things that you're proud of, but don't let it be the coolest thing you ever did. Don't let it be the most important thing you ever did. It's like high school football. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a weird parallel, but like you've never you don't know the trials and tribulations, the, the epic highs and lows. <laughs> epic highs and lows. <laughs> That's a little Easter egg. Um, but no, like weirdly, as you're saying that, mm-hmm. it r- reminded me of um, Jason Stackhouse's character in True Blood. Oh yeah, where like he continually, no matter what happens in his life, he continually goes back to the importance of playing high school football and his yep. accomplishments there, and it's just like yeah, you kind of get stuck. Yep. In the nostalgia and, like, rosy glow of a certain time period. Yep. And you gauge the rest of your life by that time, which feels, like, disingenuous and limiting. And I, I fully agree. And, like, I also think that, like, that's part of why that identity that Barry needs to hold on to with, with well, you know, he's a Marine, I'm a Marine. Yeah. Like, they... It's, it's like, the only time he's done justified killing. You know what I mean? Like, that is, like, you know, not extrajudicial. Where he literally got patted on the back. Where, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I just think that... I, th- I think that Barry is such a nuanced character, and I don't think that his... Again, one, we've watched three seasons now, but, I, I yeah, I, I, I think those criticisms hopefully will not stand the test of time, and that people will come around to it. Now, I don't think he's a positive depiction of a veteran by any means. No. You know what I mean? I'm not defending that. I mean, I think that's the problem is mm-hmm. we're getting like a really sort of one note look at mm-hmm. veterans through the show so far, which is, you know, you've got Barry who yep. just went on to keep killing people. And then you've got Taylor, Vaughn and Chris yep. who also seem to have no problems, you know, with violence going forward. So it's it's not a great look. Yeah, it's not it's not a great look. Yeah. But I think that like Chris it probably reminds me of the most veterans I know in that they get out, they, you know, get a family, mm-hmm. they kind of settle into like a home life. Doesn't mean that their experiences ever leave them, but they kind of, you know. But he also suffers from that nostalgia thing too because he, he does. keeps he finds Taylor and Vaughn and he yep. keeps hanging out with them and like you know, if we go back to Natalie's party, they were all mm-hmm. gonna pick up beers and like go drink in a parking lot. Like, yeah, the, the it's just lot of Dodger Stadium. Yeah, it's just <laughs> they keep going back to this. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, years ago, I read a biography by a woman. I think I still have it, but it was about um, her heroin addiction, mm-hmm. and she said like all addiction is nostalgia. You're always trying to get Ooh. back to the high you felt the first time. Yeah, and I feel like in some ways it's like they're they're always these guys are always revisiting this point yep 
and if they get to it just by like crushing beers and dodger parking lot like yeah they are always trying to get back to that point even though their lives have ostensibly moved on yeah Oh, there's something I want to talk about so bad, but I don't want to spoil what's ahead. <laughs> but but I'll say it comes back to connection and Barry being so hungry for connection, yeah. so starved for connection. Yeah. And these are people who share an experience where even if they didn't serve together, because right. he served with Chris, he didn't serve with the rest of them, it, this like shared experience that they have is like an important connection, basically, is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also very relatable, like, again, hashtag as a veteran feeling misunderstood and feeling like when people rush to want to connect about your experience they're not willing to look at you as an individual Mm -hmm. but they want to look at your the archetype Mm -hmm. hence the thanking you for your service yeah (laughs) and there's a lot of like you know I, i literally have never met a veteran who that question or not a question but that statement doesn't make them uncomfortable oh yeah because it's like what what are you supposed to say back yeah you know it's super awkward what else is interesting too is one of the things as they're sort of this conversation's ramping up is barry says you know like well lady Macbeth made him do it and you know and then fuchs echoes what we're talking about with like the toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. and the things that and the psycho and things that stick in barry's head and he regurgitates them later is he says, you know, sometimes you just have to shut up and do your job, mm-hmm. which is what Fuchs said to him Yep. about killing Taylor. Like, sometimes you just have to shut up and do your job. And so Barry sort of, like, in this moment, he's kind of testing out this logic with the audience. Yep. He's saying, like, this is what Fuchs says to me. I'm going to say it to them. And he has this crisis of conscience because he's being confronted with the fact that people aren't seeing things the same way he's seeing them like yeah fuchs says it to him he accepts it and then he passes that on and he's hit with a wall of no and it's so significant that sally is the one who calls him out and says you think that makes him less responsible you know um and this is probably the person whose approval he craves most right now yeah for some reason yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well okay so to to wrap up this scene, I just want to say that, you know, so after we get through this Macbeth conversation, Jean kind of has everybody kind of calm down by doing a mirroring exercise. Mm-hmm. And we see Barry just, like, not engaging, and then he leaves. He he leaves acting class, and he goes back to Fuchs. And Sally notes him leaving, but she shows zero concern for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like if she actually did care about Barry at all, she yeah. would at least check in with him. She doesn't check in with him. She doesn't say anything to him as he leaves. And then when we see the class having the conversation later um, at residuals, you know, the class is like, again, it's these people who are so self-involved yeah. that they all completely gloss over the fact that Barry has this this history and service. And so they're like, oh, how could we forget? And Sasha says she took a BuzzFeed quiz to find out if she's (laughs) She's in a bubble. bubble. (laughs) It turns out I am. (laughs) And so collectively, the class is kind of all acknowledging like, oh, no, like we we kind of boned this. We did not approach this in a really like sensitive manner. Right. Um, And Sally pushes back on that and says like, you guys, he yelled at us like that's not okay. I find this conversation really interesting because yeah. I agree with both of them. I, it's funny because I feel like her motivation for, like, you know, digging her heels in is because she feels slighted. Yeah. And is, like, I agree. personally pissed at him. But what she's saying is correct. Like, she has she's a point. right. Yeah. Exactly. You're yeah. right. Her motivation for saying it is flawed. Yeah. <laughs> it's very <laughs> selfish. Yeah. But, yeah, but, I mean, she has a point. Like, you don't treat people that way. Right. Yeah. But then at the same time, I get it because the class, it did really feel like the class sort of ganged up. Yeah. But not against him particularly because they didn't realize that the conversation they were having was about him. And and like, how are they supposed to be sensitive to the idea that like, you know, some people might be offended by the idea that you shouldn't murder someone, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like that's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, that was a really interesting conversation to me because you're, you're just like, oh, I'm on both sides of this. I think that, like, in this episode, too, because the show is so 
like leans heavily towards Barry's perspective. Yeah. And wants to make him rootable. I feel like we're viewing Sally's actions through that lens a little bit, where he's smitten with her, he wants things to go well. But if you like take a step back and look objectively at the fact that like they've been to a few acting classes together, they hooked mm-hmm. up one time mm-hmm. and then he goes and like yells at everybody, like well, I, he treats her oh, fucked that's up right. at that party. Yeah. He buys her a laptop. Yep. Then he, like, yells at everyone in class. Like, yeah. Yeah. That would be someone who you'd be like, all right, I'm going to cut you out of my life. Yeah. You know? Okay. So I want to lighten it up with a little uh, fun fact. Okay. So we actually find out how old Barry is in this episode. Okay. Or how old he's supposed to be. Yeah. So when we see Janice, Detective Moss, has a board in the police station that has all the acting classes, pictures up there, and, like, you know, a couple little facts under each of them. And Barry's has his birth date. It's February 3rd, 1979. Is that Barry's actual birthday? Well, Barry, the character. Oh, I don't know. So if this was in 2018, that would make him 39? No, wait. 30, yeah, 39. Yeah, 39. Because yeah. he'd be 40 in 2019. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So So he's late 30s. Okay. And Sally, Sally's early 30s, right? I think so. I don't know if we ever actually find out how old she is. Mm-hmm. I would guess, like, 33 at this point. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So he's almost 40. It's a midlife crisis in a way. Yeah. Amen, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of fun facts, Mm -hmm. there was another fact about Bill Hader's training for uh, this raid scene, right? So this is, like, one of the first scenes where we get to see him being, like, really tactical. Like, previously, it's just been, like, a hit. Like, him and one guy, right? Oh, true. Yeah. I I think it's been mostly, like, one-on-one hits, mostly. And this is the first time that, like, he's right. It's not a hit. It's a raid. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't he, even know how many guys are going to be in there. Yeah. Oh, previously, we've seen him, like, posted up with, like, a rifle, like, doing his sniper thing, but we haven't seen him, like, on the move with yeah. the rifle, the whole nine Like, yards. clearing a room. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get to see him, you know, doing his tactical thing, and he had to do some training for that. I'm wondering who they brought in to do that training, but... Uh, he said, I think in the behind-the-scenes video for this, which I will link on socials, mm-hmm. um... He named the guys that he worked with, but I don't remember their names. Yeah. I want to Google them later and see if they're military people. But anyway, he had to practice with the firearm and the whole thing is like he had to be able to reload and not look down. Mm -hmm. You don't have the luxury in a gunfight to be able to look down and like fiddle with your firearm. So he had to learn how to reload it without glancing down. Mm -hmm. And he you know they did a few takes and he there's one take where he did it perfectly and then almost fucked up the take by being so excited that he did it (laughs) i just thought that was funny because that's exactly exactly what i would do i hated firearms training in the military i'm uncomfortable (laughs) around guns like i just don't i just don't dig guns i'm the kind of person who and my my husband can confirm this i'm the kind of person who if you hand me a gun i'm pointing it at everything (laughs) so terrible and i i fully recognize that i should not have a gun because i'm literally just like (laughs) moving around the room pointing the gun at whoever i'm talking to (laughs) it's not great there's a moment where Taylor sweeps his gun, his like muzzle past Barry, and I'm like, that's pretty poor discipline yeah. for a Marine there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the kind of person who can fully recognize how poor that is <laughs> and do it myself. <laughs> when I was in college, I did. I was on the rifle drill team for ROTC, and so I had to use like a demilitarized M1 Garand. And I one time got my thumb like completely smashed in the bolt action of like a sticky oh. um m1 grand yeah rifle Ow. and it slams down with i don't even know how many pounds of force oh a lot yeah a lot and it crushed my my fingernail basically and like i got a giant blood blister mm-hmm. and this was like the first week of school my roommate who i just met had to button my pants for me for a full week because i could not keep a grip with my thumb oh my god I will say, right before my husband... Actually, it was, like, I think he finished basic training, and it was before we got to his duty station. Uh, He'll tell you I did this. I'm just going (laughs) to say it happened. Someone (laughs) slammed his 
opened the car door <laughs> and basically crushed his thumb just oh. just like that. Ouch. And we ended up after a few days, it was not getting better. And we ended up taking him to the medical center on base, and they had to drain the blood out of it. Oh, yeah. It do, was, do you know what I did to fix mine? Did you drain the blood out of it? Yes, and you. <sighs> the way I did it was so gross. We had these desks, like, in our dormitories, mm-hmm. and they had a big, like, one of those long light bulbs. I don't know what kind they are, but they run really hot. Okay. And so I took a thumbtack from my desk supplies. Uh-huh. I heated the thumbtack up against the light bulb, and I melted the fingernail with the hot thumbtack <sighs> until the blood came out. And then it felt better. I think we might need a trigger warning on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty disturbing, wasn't it? But yeah, instantly, instant relief. Yeah. It's just that throbbing underneath yes, there. Yes, the, the blood pressure, literally. Yep. The pressure from the blood. Yep. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk body count for this episode, because yeah. this is a rough one. Ooh, so we had to tally this one. Yeah, and to be honest, we really don't exactly know what the tally is. It's inconclusive. Yeah. yeah. But here's what we do now. Here, th- These are the facts. The facts are these. Um, first of all, we know grocery guy was offed. We saw that plainly. In the second room that uh, Barry and Taylor bust into, there's several guys watching television, hanging out. We think that was about four. When Taylor finds Barry and wakes him up, he's been passed out. He says that he aced this guy, he aced that guy, and those other guys. So that's where it's inconclusive, but we know it's at least six people, probably more. Beautiful rendition. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Grocery guy at Al, we will remember you. (laughs) Yeah. Quote, unquote, all them. (laughs) As Taylor said. Okay, if you have a more accurate body count or have opinions or thoughts you want to share with us. Like maybe your version of the episode wasn't pitch black and you could actually see how many bodies (laughs) were on the ground. Um, I had a hard time seeing it. If you want to take the time in the next episode to count the carcasses, like, literally around, around, yeah. Assuming that there's continuity between That's episodes five and six. True. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. If you have anything you want to contribute, we'd love to hear from you. We got our first fan email last week. Yeah. Um, that was great. So if you want to reach out, you can get us an email at mostevilguy@gmail.com. And you can also get us on the socials, on Instagram and Twitter. We are at mostevilguy. Yep. So we are going to leave you as we do every week with a quote from the show. This one is um, the immortal wisdom of one North Hollywood Hank. North Hollywood Henry? Henry. Henry. Yeah. North Hollywood Henry. North Hollywood Henry. <laughs> what can I say, man? I'm a gearhead. I love Gak. And scene. <laughs>